0: Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor.
1: And I'm Lily Rosenthal.
0: Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami.
1: We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA.
0: We're gonna invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami
1: sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon, bye. Welcome to the Healing Herb Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Healing Herb podcast. I wish that you could see the setup we have right now for recording this podcast because it is actually so funny. This is our third time trying to introduce everything going on right now because Mike kept laughing into the mic and then there was a fly in the car, but uh, I have two special guests with me today and one of them, and I don't want this to go to his head, Okay. So, I know saying this is going to have this go to his head, but it's no, okay. No, it won't.
0: I'm as humble as they come.
1: Okay. Well, our very most highest downloaded episode so far has been the one with Mike and I. And I know that you guys wanted to hear more from I Mike. Think,
0: I don't think it's because of me. I think it's because we talked about whether or not we're going to have more kids.
1: That's true. We did talk about that. I think that that
0: was a pretty good reason for people to listen well
1: regardless people have been wanting you on the podcast again specifically talking about marriage and relationships and how we navigate through things so today we are so excited because not only are we in the car together but we are actually also on zoom with couples therapist dr tracy who listen i've followed dr tracy now for Oh, my gosh. It's been quite some time. And she just gives the best tangible tools on how to help relationships with better communications and ways to just be more self-aware in your relationship. Um, And she also just released a book called I Didn't Sign Up For This, which we'll talk about. But I'm so excited to have this conversation.
2: Dr. Tracy, thank you for being here with us. I'm so thrilled to be sitting with both of you. I wish I could be in the back seat of the car squeezed between the car seat right there so we could do this in the car. I can't wait for us to to talk more today and also thank you for both of you for opening up and sharing your lives with us on this podcast.
1: Well, that's it's our privilege too. This is honestly so fun. Dr. Tracy actually just sat through Mike and I trying to Figure out the extension cords and the setup for the podcast, so right now, because you can't see it, maybe I'll show a clip on my Instagram, but we have two mics going, we have two computers, one that is recording the episode one that we are talking to Dr. Tracy through uh we have the baby monitor also on because we just put Annie Ray down for her nap. we have the camera, we have all of the things, and it is a whole
0: oh and The camera or the computer that we're using to record Zoom is connected to an extension cord that goes out of the car to the front of the house because we needed to charge my (laughs) computer because I didn't know we were needing to use it and it doesn't have enough juice.
1: So here we are. This is honestly going to be so good today. And what we are going to talk about with Dr. Tracy today is she's going to help us answer the question of why can relationships feel resentment after having kids and how do we work through that? Which I love that we are about to have this conversation because I feel like it's something that affects so many couples, but it's also not talked about because I don't think a lot of times we even know that that is what's happening. So we don't have the language surrounding it. And then if we do know, we can just be so freaking frustrated with each other or ourselves that we're not sure how to navigate forward. So I would love to start, Dr. Tracy, with why can resentment come after introducing kids into
2: a relationship? Mm, Such a good question. And also just acknowledging the fact that we don't talk enough about this super common and difficult emotion. Before going into why this shows up, let me just give a little bit of a definition of resentment. And I know many people listening will be able to relate to it, but resentment is a complex emotion. And it's often, I like to describe it like it's the tip of the iceberg that is covering a whole other body of other emotions, what's underneath the water. And so oftentimes people will feel sad, disconnection, alone, lonely, lonely anxiety, fear, envy often shows up with resentment, which I think is such a big one. And if we don't address this emotion, it slowly erodes at the health of our relationship. Why does it show up? I've come to realize there are two key reasons why it shows up in our relationships. One is that we are not sharing our needs with the other person. We're doing something with our feelings and needs. Many people stuff them down. They push them away. We don't share them. Maybe we share them to a friend, but we don't share it in the relationship. So one, we don't share our feelings and needs. Or two, we're sharing our feelings and needs, but maybe we're doing it in a way where our partner doesn't understand it or our partner can't respond to it. And so our needs are not being met from the other person.
1: Oh my gosh, that is so good. I have to say that for me, I think the first time that I felt these feelings that we're talking about with feeling resentment was a year and a half ago when we had our newborn and I was really struggling with breastfeeding. And it became this whole family affair of trying to feed her. We were doing a drip, what was that called? Like a drip system trying to get the milk into her. I can't her. remember the
0: name of it, but it was this tiny little syringe that was connected to the smallest looking tube you've ever seen. And it was like three or four feet long and we would attach it to Ashley's chest with tape so that it would like drip milk through this little tube so that Annie Ray would, would think that the milk was there and then it was, it was crazy. We were
1: trying to teach her how to latch. Yeah. And anyways, it was- yeah. It became this all day process of just trying to feed her. I had a low milk supply. So then, when we weren't trying to feed her, I was then trying to pump to get up my milk supply or to try to supp- supplement with a bottle because she wasn't latching. It was this whole thing. And the first time I felt resentment was when she was finally asleep and there was a break, and Mike was able to go and work. But I was having to sit and be attached to my pump all day, just feeling like I never got a break. And I started feeling just like this burden of trying to feed her was on me, even though Mike was involved, even though I have a very supportive, involved partner and and he's such an involved dad. I still felt this resentment because I felt like I was carrying all of this weight that I didn't want to be carrying. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I didn't know how to work through that. Um, but that was the first time that I felt it. What are some common ways that women might feel resentment, you know, kind of in those newly postpartum days? Is that something that's common? Is What does that look like?
2: I love what you're bringing up there, Ashley. And I know so many people can relate to that story and there's an element in there. There's a few in there. One is this feeling of, it's not fair. It's all on me. It's not fair. That can show up. Um, the other piece is envy in a way that Mike could just freely go and do this other piece. Whereas for me, I have to still do this thing. Uh, I'm also thinking of the the loss or change in our identity and how It feels, and I can remember feeling this in my own postpartum experience where I would watch my husband leave, go to work, and it's like his life didn't change and mine did. Or the moments where you become the default parent. We know that in general, women tend to be the she-fault parent, default, and your partner goes on to doing the things as if nothing has changed for them. Or we also start to see resentment show up when the mental load becomes heavier. So it's not just this the visible labor of actually changing the diaper or feeding baby. It's also on top of it in your mind, tracking when is nap time, tracking when are we going to start solids? What does that look like? Thinking about all of these different pieces that make up this cognitive labor that we hold inside of us. And it really comes back to also this piece around us not being able to communicate it with our partner, to be able to have a conversation and be on the same page and find solutions together.
1: That is so good. Mike, do you remember, you probably don't remember this, maybe you do, but I just had this thought that was triggered by something that Dr. Tracy said of this mental load that most often women carry, but I remember it was several months ago, maybe even a year ago, but you were doing something with Annie Ray. It was either around nap time or it was feeding her. I cannot remember, but you started to ask me either how much she should be fed or when she was supposed to go down for her nap again. I literally can't remember what one, but then you quickly stopped and you said, "Never mind, I can figure this out." And I wanted to bring that up because something that you have done that I want to acknowledge is you very much share the mental load of raising children and I would love for you to share to couples who are listening what that looks like for you and how you got to this place of just knowing and taking ownership of what to do.
2: Can I even just reflect that for a second? Mike is actually surprised to hear that. Like, I I don't know, Mike, if you realize that you caught yourself in one of those mental load questions where our well-intentioned partners come to us. And I can remember my husband would do the same thing. What are we going to do for this meal? Or when's the nap time? What's the best onesie to do for bedtime? And it's, a, it's coming from a good place. And at the same time, we don't realize that it puts in heterosexual relationships. It puts mom in the CEO role. It means that she is the director and the manager, and she has to make all of the decisions, and she's going to hold the note cards, and the other person is an employee or part of the team, rather than both people being... On the same team where Mike, you in that moment can realize, oh, hang on, I can figure this out. I am that fair share parent as well.
0: This question could have a very, very long answer.
2: (laughs) Take as long or as little as you want. We're here for it. No pressure. (laughs) I
0: believe that the way that I have seen in my life, the way that I have seen how a dad acts. We'll say, we could even say is supposed to act, but how a dad acts. Generally, we are surprised when a dad, when there's a dad and a mom together, right, in this particular scenario, when a dad will pick up the diaper bag and fill it and grab the shoes and say, we're ready to go, pull out, a string cheese from the fridge and say, hey, do you want a snack? Little things that are just supposed to be done, right? So I, I always have seen those tasks and these conversations. I mean, I see it on social media. I see it with just talking to friends who have babies. I've seen it on shows, movies. I'm a very observant person. I've always paid attention to how I am seeing, what I am seeing and how it feels for me and and if that rings true or not, or if I would want to do it differently. And so for me, I just realized a really, really long time ago that that's not really for me. I don't, I mean, I do remember asking you things at certain times, not from the perspective of, and I'm not saying this is how you meant it because I know it wasn't, but not me asking you from the perspective of what do I do, how do I be a dad to this baby, but my process, and I, I think that this is probably true for a lot of, we'll say guys, is the same where I don't remember what time the last feeding was or when the last diaper was changed or in those first six months especially, and the first week that we got home we were sent home with a tracking sheet of writing down when she went poop and pee and when she was fed and how many ounces and and i was keeping track of all that stuff and it's so overwhelming and so you know there's there's things there but but i remember having a conversation with you because i i did ask cuz i forgot and and i could tell that you had a feeling of I'm not the mom CEO, we're co-CEOs here. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. And that's obviously not how I personally would ever mean for it to happen or be. But I I realized like, oh, you're, you're working too. You are dealing with postpartum, which is a whole other thing that I never had to go through either. You're being a mom, you're figuring out how to parent a baby for the first time too. And so if you can figure it out I can figure it out. I mean, I know, I I also grew up hearing there's motherly instincts that that moms have, and well, there's fatherly instincts that I have too, and so I leaned into that. I paid attention to it, I I did math, I figured, I I kept track, I figured out, like, it was, so I, I say all of that because for me, I realized I could be however I wanted as a dad, as involved or uninvolved as I wanted to be, and I love being as involved as I can be and am and I think that that's answering the question I hope that it is I I just felt like you know when those instances have come up and they don't really come up anymore right
2: no they don't
0: yeah I know how I want to be as a dad and so I choose to be that way
2: I really want to reflect this because I think it's so important is that We have your both experiences here. So we each show up as individuals, but then you also, so your individual stuff is showing up and then you have your dynamic and how that happens. And so it's so important that for people listening to think, what does our dynamic look like? How do I contribute to that dynamic? So I imagine then, and Ashley, you you can share with us, of course, this is your podcast, not mine. I did not take over, I promise. But you you also invited Mike to come into that space with you, to be that parent with you.
1: Yeah. And, And something that I was going to mention is that I heard you say, you know, sometimes I forgot. And so then that's why I would ask you. But I think that that goes into this bigger conversation that we are having with the mental load that so many women carry of not having this grace room of being able to forget because knowing as the mom that you are the last person to to remember everything that you have to remember and that alone can create this heaviness or this weight or this responsibility that I Know that so many women wish were shared with their partners. And I think because of my personality and because of who you are, being able to figure out how we are going to take care of a newborn together for the first time, we had some hard conversations. And also, like, both of us worked together to the best of our ability to make sure that. We were communicating what we needed. Would you agree with that or not agree with that?
0: I think, so you mentioned the first time you felt resentment was when I would, and to be clear, we we both work from home. I have an office in one of our bedrooms and I go over there. I can hear everything that's happening. I come out if, you know, when I'm working, I come out if I need to. But, you know, I think that one of the first times I felt resentment and still do is when there is typically at the end of the day, and this has been this way for years for various reasons, not just because of she's nodding. You must know what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's the lack of what's left over for me at the end of the day. Because many, many days, there's very little. This is a very common feeling for guys. I know that this is. It's really hard for us to say something about it too because everything that you do during the day is so important. And you only have a finite amount of energy and resources that you can give. And then if there's nothing left over for you, what are you supposed to do, right? So this, we're just talking about the feelings of resentment, that's all that's happening here. I want to point it out where and bring this up to know that like if you are are a man in my similar type of relationship i i don't really know how to word this perfectly but i just know that you're not alone with how you've been feeling too it is totally normal so i i would love maybe later on an episode to to describe things that i have done in order to to help myself when you're trying to take care of yourself too because the energy level is just so low there's just not a lot to give
1: yeah So i'm so glad that you brought this up because i really want to hear from dr tracy about this in your experience as a relationship expert and therapist how often are you seeing this happen in relationships where at the end of the day mom is exhausted. There's not a lot left to give anyone else. And so the very first place that that drains from is ourselves, but then also with our partner.
2: How do we, how do we navigate this? I can't think of someone who isn't experiencing that at some point, because that is a very real experience for parents is what is left for each other what is left for ourselves at the end of the day you know some of the stories i think of or even some of my own experiences that are similar to my clients and to yours is the experience of mom being at home all day with the kids Uh, again heterosexual relationship dad gets home working partner gets home and mom is like finally here take the kids i need five minutes And yet the partner coming in is looking for connection, or they might need five minutes to transition home as well, right? So it is very much this mismatch in terms of how do we find this connection while also fighting for our own identities and for ourselves. We're touching on, we're circling around this concept that I talk about in my book called differentiation. And we need differentiation to build a healthy relationship. What this means is that you have the ability to see your own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. So you see that your feelings are, this is your internal stuff. You have the ability to make sense of it, to understand it, and to communicate it to your partner. And you recognize that they also have a different experience than yours. They have their own thoughts, feelings, desires, wishes, values, opinions. And then the goal is for us to be able to communicate them together, to be able to accept our partners for who they are, and then to be able to come to a place of problem-solving and compromise. But instead, what tends to happen is we get wrapped up into these relationship cycles that end up pushing each other away. And so we don't build this sense of differentiation. We don't build the interdependence we're looking for. Instead, it sounds like, well, if you just helped out, then I wouldn't be so critical. And the other partner says, if you would just be kind to me, then maybe I would help you more. And away we go back and forth in the relationship cycle.
1: Oh my gosh, that is so good. How do you then break that? You're in this situation. You're going through that cycle of the back and forth. We're all feeling depleted. We're feeling disconnected from our partners.
0: And from ourselves. And from
1: ourselves because we're tired and we're frustrated. So then how do we kind of start taking control again of this pattern that feels like we've gone out of control in and start having these conversations with each other in a way that allows us to move forward differently than we have in the past?
2: The first thing you can do is when you notice one one or both of you feeling escalated or feeling other words that are used are feeling triggered, feeling overwhelmed, the experience of being outside of your window of tolerance where you start to feel confused, or maybe you're like shaking your leg or you're crossing your arm, or you just start to get more angry and frustrated and bigger and louder pause the conversation because at that point, you're not going to move forward in any way. So that's really important. That's just a first step to deal with that cycle. But this kind of conversation requires you to become really good listeners and to become really curious about the other person. And whatever the other person is saying, it's important to put your stuff, yourself. Just on hold for a moment. So if Mike's coming to you saying, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like there's nothing left for me. And if you jump in being like, well, don't you see everything that I'm doing and I have to look after any ray and all of the things?
0: Based on a true story or
2: <laughs> it, it's me, Mike. I've been there. It's me. I know all the skills and tools and strategies. I help people every day. And I will go home and do the same thing. I'm 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 a human too. <laughs> But but so this piece, though, is about being able to, again, there's that word differentiation. I'm going to differentiate. My partner is coming to me and telling me something important. It doesn't mean I am bad or wrong or flawed. I have to understand what they're saying first. And then I can share my experience and they can understand what I'm needing and wanting. And then we've got to find a solution. What does this look like?
1: It's that thought of, What they're telling me right now doesn't mean I'm bad or wrong. I think that is so powerful and not then just trying to deflect everything or point it back on the other person, but really being able to sit and listen to what they are saying and needing and then trying to make something happen from what we are hearing them say. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit more about how you've navigated this part. I, you know, the little, our little backstory, we actually talk about this in episode three, but after so many years of grief, Mike looked at me one day and he was like, I just want my wife back. We were actually in therapy and I wanted his wife back too, but I didn't know how to get there and I knew I'm different now and she's never coming back but I didn't want to feel this way either and so that has been a really big process for me just personally and then you add a relationship into that and trying to be a wife when you are different than you were me trying to figure out how how does that look like showing up for my marriage and in motherhood i mean there's so many things right that we are all going with just living through this very human experience but i heard you mention that there are some things that you have Mm -hmm. implemented knowing that my energy at the end of the day is depleted and how you've just
0: learned to live with it
1: which I hate that this is what you have to say, that you've learned to live with it because I haven't figured out yet how <laughs> no, to get would, out of this cycle.
0: I would phrase it a different way. I was, I was being funny.
1: <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs>
0: but there is always truth laced with sarcasm. So here's, here's the deal. To think that you would be the same like that statement of, I want my wife back was a stupid thing for me to say.
1: I think it was a r- no, really real was, thing for me to It was
0: real. Say it was real, but it was an unrealistic thing. It was how I felt in the moment, but hindsight, it was very unrealistic for me to say that because now, knowing what I know now about trauma and grief, I would never have said that like today if we had had that conversation of who I am now, but I had to learn this you never would be the same person that you were ever again. Just like tomorrow, you won't be the same as today, which, right? That makes sense, but- What would
2: you say instead? If you if you could rewind that tape knowing what you know now, what would you- But I
0: want be? to get her to a place where she feels like she can function at a high level, is is capable of being who I know that she can be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all those things mentally, because I saw her and what I wanted wasn't necessarily for me, I wanted it for you too, or it wasn't just for me, I wanted it for her too. I wanted her to be able to feel happy again and fulfilled and that's not where we were, right? So what has helped me, right, that was the question, is managing my expectations for our relationship. Understanding that, yes, you are different. Your and my relationship is never going to be a carbon copy of anybody else's. So it's tricky because you can ask friends. You know, I don't really, we've talked about in therapy, but like our relationship, but I don't, I choose really not to like talk about our relationship with my friends and other people. It's just something I've never wanted to do or felt comfortable doing. I just don't feel like it's really anyone's business other than ours. So I, you know, usually go to you.
2: Most men that I've interacted with do not talk about their relationships in general with each other.
0: Yeah. So this is pretty, you know, hearing this and me saying it is unusual. Is that right?
1: is that healthy to not be talking about it with each other?
0: For me, I think it is the right thing to do because as a man, if I see how one couple or group of people act My initial thought is to think that this is how most people are. It's like the first thing that I see. I have realized that that is not necessarily the case. So that's why if a guy... Like a guy is never going to talk about this in a group. Ever. That has never happened to me. We've never had like a heart-to-heart unless you're like at a campfire And maybe people are drunk. Which you don't go camping. Which I I, I don't do either of those things. So (laughs) Why do you think
2: that is, though? Why, Why don't a group of men talk about the hard moment in their relationship?
0: I think it's because we are conditioned to not be sensitive from the time we are babies. I think that that's why. Because there are predisposed conditions and behaviors that we as males are supposed to to fall in line with so that's that's why i think
2: if we do have men listening i want you to hear this please open up to your other male friends they are feeling the very same thing that you are and to answer your question ashley i think there's a difference if we're kind of the word ragging if we're ragging on our partners and saying all these bad things and name calling them to our friends whether you're male or female well, that's not really helpful But if you go to your to your friend group and say, "Ah, you know, sometimes I just feel like there's nothing left for me and really feeling lonely. And if someone else in that group can say, oh, man, I've been there. I know that. Listen, you are in four months postpartum. You're going to get through that. We've been there. We got through it.
0: It's the difference between like constructive growth versus i just Just want to talk crap yeah versus tearing down i just want to advance
2: the vulnerability that we need but because for so many men it's layered with shame there is shame in there of if i show my true self what will other people think of me and judge me and all of that
0: yeah so what i do is i've had to review my expectations of you my expectations of us i look at you at the end of every day (laughs) i i do I, this is just how I am. Eating
1: my Trader Joe's ice cream sandwich wiped out on the couch. The ones with the chocolate coke. chips the the that go, go around chips. on the vanilla ice cream. Yes, she loves so it.
0: Good. Make, sure, Fellas, make sure you go to Trader Joe's. Always have those in your freezer. Look, I watch you and I pay attention. If I can see that you're very focused, I'll say one thing to you. Say, hey, are you working? And if you say, yeah, that happens. Yeah, I am. I'll say, okay. And then I walk away. I go do something, I sit on the couch next to you, I try to be productive, and then I wait for the moment when you put the phone down, the computer goes away, and your sweet voice comes out and say, so do you want to watch a show? (laughs) And that's, that's when I know, okay. And I think that if I just continue to accept who you want to and choose to be, I'll be fine. If I have an expectation For you to be any one other than who you can and are being, then there's gonna be friction. So I have learned how to love who you are, no matter the tone, the, the voice, whether it's something that I want or not. And that has significantly helped me to lower or raise or just manage and understand how I feel, when it's happening, there's no real other way that I can see of how to do it, right? It's like just let you be who you can and are being. Support you, support myself, and be there when when you need my help or go away when you want to be left alone. And I'm totally fine with that. I understand. Sometimes I want to be left alone too. So I this don't know is if part that's part of
2: differentiation. Mike is saying I don't take it personal. I see you're in a work mode. It's not about me. It's not about my enoughness or my worthiness. This is you're in a space. I accept that. I accept who you are. We're different people and we're both good. We're both okay.
0: I still do take it personal, but I stop and then I realize what's going on and then I take the time that I need in order to allow it to be and then the differentiation happens where I'm like, okay.
2: Uh, you recognize that it's that automatic go-to place. It feels personal first, but you don't yeah. act on that. You instead I've... go do the self-regulation that we need to do and then come back.
0: It's not like I just one day said, oh, this is why it's happening. And now I'm going to make the change and everything is good. No, it's it's a continual thing. And it's exciting, to be honest. One of the things I've always loved about Ashley is how how exciting she is. And I just get to watch and be a part of the great things that she's done with her life. It's it's so fun to watch. She's never been boring.
1: Yeah, our life definitely has never been You've, boring. You are not boring. We actually haven't talked about this really before. So thanks for opening up about all of this on a podcast. Um, but Dr. Tracy, I would love to hear your perspective of like are we managing this well or are
0: we are am am i doing this wrong
1: (laughs) or our management of expectations where does that fall in you know to this conversation of resentment that we're having or just help (laughs) help us (laughs) So,
2: so mike is becoming aware of this experience for him we'll stick to this example and i can also relate to this my husband will come to me at certain times and i'm on my phone it looks like i'm just lounging but i'm like I'm doing work and it's right. And he has to not take it personal, but Mike's doing this first step, which is self-awareness. What's happening in this moment. Hmm. This feels uncomfortable. He then goes and does what he knows how to do, which is to regulate. And so he takes some time and to look at what's happening. And then he reminds himself that this is what you're doing. We're good. We're going to move forward. This isn't about me, even though maybe it felt that way at first. And then he comes back together. So, self awareness, self regulation, curiosity, accepting of who you are is really important. And then I think the layer that you want to make sure you're adding in there is how are we communicating needs? And so, again, the needs and expectations, we don't want one partner to be pushing away all of their desires and wishes. It does have to be a space of, hey, you know, I think I need us to find a way that I can get a little bit more of that um, special attention. And, And also too, for people to hear this, attention is a core need. We are taught as kids that you shouldn't be attention seeking. Don't be that person. And yet we all need attention. It is a need that we all have. And then it's how do we then ask for it? How do we negotiate this together so that, you know, for many people, they leave it to the end of the day. If neither one of you have any energy at the end of the day, find time throughout the day where you can get that special attention.
1: That's really yeah, good. Yeah, that's really good. And I feel like we do that throughout yes. the day. Something else that I've tried to do is usually when we go on really fun dates, it's because I'm planning it. I I kind of we joke that I'm the cruise ship director. <laughs> And Mike's I love the, to be the first the mate.
0: I'm the first mate. <laughs> there is a reason that you choose and love to be the cruise ship director, though.
1: <laughs> oh, that's like another podcast episode. <laughs> that's for episode another- 12 or that's whatever a- <laughs> you're on after this. But I do. I, I think that that is one of my ways where I hear what you're saying and you're feeling throughout the week and then trying to do something fun where we can come Together, and a lot of times that has to be at home because just of the season of our life that we're in. I also know because I know there's a lot of women who are listening right now, where at the end of the day, that truly feels like your only time that you have to yourself. Right now, I'm trying to fit in working full time workload on maybe three hours. (laughs) a day and so then when the baby goes down at 6 30 it's like okay I have three more hours tonight I have to get this done and so then sometimes I feel like my work not just being interrupted but it's like does he not see I'm working is this not being respected is this like I'm this is my this is the only time I I have to get my stuff done so then I think that creates sometimes this dialogue from my end that it's like I'm working right now. Can can you not see me? But I think that that's kind of at the core of so many disagreements and feelings of resentment in relationships in general of this reaction of do you not see me?
0: It's the lack of the mind reading on both of our ends because you don't know what I'm thinking and why I'm coming to you with these things. And I don't know why you're not reciprocating in certain ways. and. And when the situation is reversed, right? We're just using this one specific example that we've been talking about. But I think that it's a very simple conversation saves a ton of problems from happening, right?
2: Yeah. There's this piece here, I I like to encourage people to slow down their first reaction to their partner and to ask themselves, what is this really about for me? and if we can slow that down and not stay up in our in our brains cuz our brains are really good at telling stories and those stories come from history from years of experiences with other people and instead if we can go down it's kind of like taking the elevator down into our bodies what's this really about for me and we know that from an attachment perspective oftentimes it sounds like am i important to you do i matter do you see me am i enough Am I worthy? Do I belong here with you?
0: It's like why why does that happen? All she did was say, I'm working. <laughs> so where so where is this weird, insane story coming from in my brain? And you're you're hundred percent right. That's what I realized. I was like, what am I doing? Like why why am I jumping to this conclusion when she just wants to work a little bit and she was trying to be a really great mom and trying to run a great business and man
1: But am I hearing you right, Dr. Tracy, that you kind of just said that resentment is actually us wanting to find belonging with each other or validation or being seen like that's where resentment is stemming from?
2: Mm, Yeah. Resentment, I think, can stem from the sense of not feeling belonging, not feeling connected, It can stem from envy. Your partner has something that you don't have or that you're needing.
1: That's so Mm. fascinating to me because really at the root of this feeling that we have is this deep desire to feel the opposite. But we can't get there unless we're having these conversations and we allow that vulnerability to, first for ourselves of, like you said, stopping and asking, what is this really about, but then listening to each other and what the other person is needing so that we both can feel like we are being seen by the other person and then being able to move forward. I feel like I could literally sit in the car and talk about this one topic for the next two hours with you. I also know that grief of how things once were in a relationship that are no longer that comes into play where I'm like I feel like we need to have a part two soon with you (laughs) Um, if you'll if you'll have us would love to be back with you
2: there's an element in here too so how do we navigate this then I wish more couples would check in with each other and that is actually really vulnerable for people to be able to sit beside each other so if it feels too vulnerable face-to-face I love how we're doing this right here you're shoulder to shoulder and it's a reminder that we're a team and we're looking at this problem in front of us and then being able to say to each other how do you feel about the love I'm providing you right now is there something I could be doing more of to help you feel loved seen and soothed or is there something stressful that's coming up this week how can I support you through that what are you appreciative or grateful for of the relationship? And it's those check-ins that can then say, you know, I feel like the connection has maybe been all on me lately. And I think I, I think we need a date night. Could you take charge of that this week? That's really good.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like, too, adding that you should do that when things are good, like calm. Not at the end of the day, probably, when you're tired or when when you're trying to wrap stuff up for the night and tie up the loose ends right like that is a really good thing to talk about when everybody's good right and also just again manage the expectations don't expect anything that has helped me so much to be able to be okay just with the the insane life changes that we have experienced over the past decade right to just watch and observe and be totally okay with how stuff happens
1: i think that that can work in relationships where both partners are equally involved to the best of their ability but i know that there's also a lot of relationships where being okay with that lack of expectation means that someone in the partnership is just going to be carrying totally agree with you totally
0: agree that's that's the right circumstance
1: which is why i love everything that you have given us tangibly today dr tracy because it's like okay these are tools that i can actually use to go have a conversation with my partner about before we wrap up because i literally could keep talking about this for the rest of the day but i would love to end with this question of for those who are listening who just feel like this still feels maybe so far away yeah far away hard scary they're nervous where is the very yeah. best place for
2: for that person to start
0: how do yeah how do they know where to start
2: We often want to start with words as if we need to resolve conversations, but we actually need connection first before feeling safe to go into hard conversations. So I recommend to people start planning or revisiting those little rituals that you used to have in your relationship. That might look like before turning to your phones in the morning, turn towards each other, give your partner that 30 second hug. It might feel hard because you might be thinking, why do I have to do this? And you do it, you do it because you're there, because you're here first, you're listening to this episode and you do it because your relationship matters to you. So these small, frequent things that are you turning towards your partner saying, I see you and you're important to me. Go for the walk. When you're out pushing the baby stroller, hold hands or Carving out 10 minutes, you know, if your kids are old enough for screen time, give your kids screens, give them the 20 minutes and then you guys sitting at the the table chatting about what's been happening once a week. That's a great way to start or sharing. Sorry, Mike, my list is long. (laughs) Sharing one, share one emotion at dinner. We all sit down, eat dinner together and you say, tell me one emotion you felt today. Not frustrated. We want to hear the other emotions. And my job is I will listen to what you say and I'm going to ask questions about that one feeling you felt today. And then we take turns. And that is a great place to start.
0: That's awesome. Think about if we do that with Annie Ray every day or even multiple times a week and how she'll learn how to talk about. I, I said one really quick question. The Instead of looking at the phone first thing and turning to your partner for 30 seconds, is it okay if they go brush their teeth first? Is that <laughs> recommended or is it kind of just up to us?
2: I thought you said you didn't have expectations. I'm just
0: asking, like, what's normal? Not even necessarily an expectation, just like what's appropriate.
2: Wow, Mike,
1: are you are you trolling me right now?
0: No, are, no, not are at you all. Trolling I'm, my morning. I'm, I'm asking if you need me to do that.
1: Oh, wow, <laughs> one of
2: the That's... things we did with our kids is we we started doing three things we're grateful for at the dinner table, and with them, you know, it was like I'm grateful for chicken fingers. I'm grateful for TV and. You know, it is what it is when they're younger, but you keep modeling it and you do the, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that I have a partner here doing this with me and they hear that it's modeled and you're also practicing it in your, rela- in your relationship.
1: Thank you for everything that you have gifted us with today. This feels really manageable. It feels like there's a starting place. I also think a great idea could be, you know, you're reading a new book called I Didn't Sign Up for this by Dr. Tracy. And you can invite your partner to join in reading with you. Yeah. So Dr. Tracy, as we say goodbye, where can people find your book and find you so that they can be equipped with more of these tools that we've talked about today?
2: My main hangout place is Instagram at DrTracyD. Please come say hello to me in my DMs. It's my favorite thing when people listen to me on a podcast and they come and tell me that one piece that really stood out for them. But then I also have lots of free resources on my website and the link to grab my book as well is there. And that's DrTracyD.com. Thank you. We will add
1: all of that to our show notes so that you guys can easily go find her, go grab her new book. We're all rooting for you. Thank you for joining us today, just having a conversation about relationships. We know that it can feel tricky and messy. I mean, you've just heard us talk about things that we haven't talked about for a while. So I just want to honor you in saying that I'm just proud of all of us for doing this work, even though it's hard. And until I see you next week, take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination. It's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week.